Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. You know, we come to church and, uh, and it's wonderful to have a, uh, a worship team that brings us into the presence of Father so wonderfully. Because we can come to church some Sunday mornings and we're, we're thinking about, we just, the, the leader will say, well, let's, let's worship. And the first thing that comes into our head is, uh, did I leave the oven on? Um, did I do this or did I do that? And, and, and our minds are going like this and racing around trying to think about the things that we should have done before we left the house. Or, or maybe you, you're going out for lunch afterwards and think, oh, I hope they finish in time. because, And all of these things are just like, Coming in, but, but how precious it is to come and worship him, to allow the Holy Spirit just to move in our hearts and our lives. I'm going to be speaking today. I've really had it laid on my heart for quite a, a time. Our life group people, forgive me a bit because I've shared a little bit of this with you uh, already. Um, but I, I just was, want to look at God's grace this morning, um, perhaps in a, a greater measure than than, uh, than I've really looked at it before. And um, I was reading through uh, Luke 15 and, and looking through at the, the, the story of the prodigal son uh, many months ago. And since that time, I, I can't seem to get it out of my, out of my head, uh, this, this story of the prodigal son. You, you probably all know it quite well, but, but, but I'm going to read it anyway this morning. And then I'm just going to elaborate a little bit on it. You see, this, this story... Uh, that Jesus, this parable that Jesus told the people around him was just a, a, a story, a parable of, of, of Father God's abundant grace towards his son and his daughters. And I just want you to just, um, just let the word just sink into your heart this morning as I read through the story and then we're going to look at it together and just hopefully we'll just see this, this act of love, this act of compassion, this act of grace that God wants us to experience and us to walk in. We call ourselves Grace Life Church. And God said, what does it mean to you, Andrew? What does Grace Life mean to you? It means living a life full of his grace, full of compassion, full of forgiveness, full of, uh, full of God, full of him. And so often we can uh, we, we, we can be so full of ourselves, and, and this story here shows that. God's grace and man's selfishness. It says this in Luke 15, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 11 starts. And it, then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. In other words, give me my inheritance. So father divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living, wild living. But when he had spent all there, arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, the pigs. For a Jew, that was a no-no, but he had gotten sunk to that level. Verse 16, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. 
But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have enough bread and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And then he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him and put a ring on his finger, on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring out the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. And what I want to concentrate on this morning is the next few verses after that. It's talking about the elder son who stayed at home. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and said, and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandments at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots and killed your fatty, you, you killed your fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son... You are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What a, a wonderful, wonderful story. What a demonstration of God's grace poured out. You see, when the younger son said to his dad, give me my portion, give me what my inheritance is, you know, it's an unusual thing. Normally that happens when the person dies, but he was the young son saying like, yeah, I want to I go and do my own thing. Like, give me what's due to me. I just, the first thought I had was how wonderful, how loving the father was to give the son his inheritance. That would have been a third of the estate the elder brother would have got two-thirds. That's the way it worked in those days. But he took his third and he went away and he lived right. Whatever, whatever version you're reading from, it says riotous living, all sorts of things. But, but basically, he didn't, he didn't use it well. And um, it's just a, an amazing story, I really believe, of, 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 of how Father would look upon us today as his children. Uh, and maybe you've, you've not known Father. Maybe you've known Father and, and like the young son, maybe you've, you, you, you've taken away the inheritance that you had when you knew him, but you've gone and you've wasted it somewhere else. And everything is now gone and there's nothing left. And you're in a, a position in your life where I want to come back to where I was. I want to get back to that place where I belong to be. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe... Maybe you've just been like the eldest son. Maybe you've been with the father all the time. 
And maybe something's happened in your life or in your situation. You're angry about something. Can't understand something. And asking God, why? Why should this happen? Like, you know. And as you read through this, it's, uh, it, it's, it's just an amazing, amazing picture of, of how much God loves you. How much his grace is to you and to me this morning. How extravagant his grace is. You know, we can, never, we can never match it or count it. We can't touch it. We can't feel it. But we see it happening around us in the church. We see it happening as we worship. We see, we see breakdown in hearts, hearts and, and lives committing themselves to Jesus, even in the worship. We don't have to wait to an appeal at the end of a meeting. But even in the worship, even in some, while somebody's praying out loud, we can give our hearts to Jesus. We can commit ourselves to him. His grace is sufficient. That word has come up several times today already. His grace is sufficient. So what about this elder brother? You know, why is he so angry that the younger brother has come back? Why is he so upset? So upset that he wouldn't even go and ask his father what's happening, but he would ask one of the servants, what goes on? What goes on in the house? Why all this noise? Why all this excitement? Why all this music? Why all this dancing? Why is this all going on? Because your younger brother has come back and rose up within his heart. Uh, and I believe that the answer to that question is why he was so angry is that he hadn't fully received the grace of God in his life. He hadn't fully received the grace of his father in his life. Uh, and I was looking at, on grace and there's all, all sorts of pe- people have, have written what their version of grace is. But I found this I found this version uh, where somebody explained what grace was, and it's really sort of quite amazing. And it says these words. It says, it's God's empowering presence to bring change in our lives. And you think about that. I'll read it again. It's so good. It's God's grace is God's empowering presence to bring about change in our lives. God's higher. God so wants us. To be like him. God so wants us to to have relationship with him. God so wants us to be intimate with him. That he will give us the grace. No matter where we are. No matter whether we're the young son that's run off. No matter whether we're the older son that's angry. Because someone has upset him in his life. And he's upset about something. God's grace is the same. God's grace is so extravagant, it reaches to every situation. There's no situation you can find yourself in this morning that God's grace is too small to come into and to fill and to raise you up and to bring you to that place where you belong, to bring you back home to where Father wants you to be. You know, Father doesn't want us to stay as we are. This is why this, this description of his grace is so wonderful. It's his empowering presence in our hearts to bring about change in us. To change us from where we are to where he wants us to be. Will you allow him today to change you into what he wants you to be? Not what you want to be, but what he wants to be. And that's a hard thing. That's difficult. You know, have I lived a grace-filled life all my life? Absolutely not. There are times when I've, I've walked off the path, times I've, even in my younger days after I gave my heart to the Lord, in my teenage years, I, I, I wandered away for a couple of years, away from him. But you know, Father received me back with the love that I didn't deserve. 
but it's that undeserving love he wants to, to give to every single one of us this morning that's got a heart to say, Father, I'm sorry. And, and, and every time I, I read the story of the young son as he's coming, he's coming back to the father and he's rehearsing things and he must be going along thinking like, what can I say to dad when I get back? I really, I really made a mess of my life. I've really made a mess. I've got nothing now. Uh, all my inheritance, a third of his estate I've wasted and as I go back to Father, what, what can I say to him? And as he, he walks along the road, he must be thinking, I'll, I'll say this, I'll say, I'm, I'm, I'm not worthy to be your, your, your son anymore. I'm just worthy to, I, I just want to be your servant. I just want to, I, I just want to fill that place of servanthood within the household. You know, the, the, he, he was like work, working this on. But, but, but Dad, looking out, and I got a picture of, of, of how dad, I, I can just imagine him every day of the years this younger son's been away, standing on the housetop and, and looking out into the distance and seeing, you know, is, is he coming back? And, and this day that it describes here in Luke 15, where he looks out and he sees him from afar off, he sees his son coming back. And he doesn't wait for the son to come uh, up to him uh, and, and ask for forgiveness. He doesn't wait for the son to come up to him and say, I'm sorry, Dad. You know, he's already running out to find uh, the son, to, to welcome the son. And, and he doesn't wait for the son to fall on his face before him and apologize for the way he's lived and everything. But he, Father, falls on his face in front of the son and kisses him and says, welcome back. Welcome back, son. I've been waiting for so long for you to come back to me. What a beautiful picture of God's grace to us. Father doesn't want us to stay as we are. He wants us to be filled with his grace and moving forward. Here's a few scriptures I want to just take you through this morning. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 it says this thing, you know, grace is God-given. We can't learn it. We can't earn it. It's God's free gift to you, and it's God's free gift to me. And to everybody outside of these walls who will come to him, it's God's free gift to them. Whether we're the son that stayed or the son that went away, it doesn't matter to him. His grace is the same. His grace is sufficient. And his grace is given by him to us. We cannot earn it. We cannot do good works to make him love us more than he already loves us. Let's read this. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9. And it says these words. Where are we? I'll read from verse, I'll read from verse 8. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, this is Paul speaking, his prisoner, but share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. The grace is a force as well as favor. It's a powerful force, as I said before. Um, it's, a, it's a verb, a doing word, and it's a noun as well as a name. 
Um, through Christ, God meets us at the point of our need, just like the father in the parable met his son at the point of his need. When he was empty, when he had nothing to give back to him, father says, I love you. I've always loved you. Always will love you. Acts 4, 33. Probably better to read off there. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. You see, there's great power in grace, great power in grace. And I think in the, in, in, when, when I was looking up in the scripture that the, the power, it's, it's the word where we get our dynamite word from. It's powerful. It's powerful, more powerful than we can ever think or imagine his grace. As I said, it's extravagant, it's abundant, it's powerful. There's great power in grace, dynamite power in this amazing gift of God. We can't see it, as I said, we can't touch it. Yet it causes signs, wonders and miracles to happen wherever grace is shown. Acts 14.3 is another that talks about this amazing power Therefore, they stayed there a long time speaking boldly in the Lord. These are the apostles who were bearing witness to the word of grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. See, when we're operating grace, God starts doing signs and wonders. God starts ministering to his people. Ephesians 2, 4 to 9. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved, not by anything else, but by grace we're saved. By grace we're set free. By grace we're delivered. By grace we're healed. By grace, God, chains are broken in our lives. By grace, um, all sorts of things happen. This is, where it, this is the power word for, for a life lived in Christ. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Have we really understood the fullness of his riches yet? Have we really got a grasp on what grace is? How much it, 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 God has it to affect our lives and how much we will allow it to affect our lives today. His kindness towards us in Christ, for in verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not something we can boast about. It's not something that I'll have grace. You know, book on my head, the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plain. I walk very gracefully. That's not the sort of grace I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about the grace, the power of God that liberates us, that sets us free this morning. And if, if you want liberating this morning, you're in the right place. You come to the right place for God to do something, but will you allow his grace to fully flow in your life? Will you allow him this morning to just break into that place in your heart? And here's Jesus' message in this. See, Father, in the story, wanted to pour out grace on both of his sons, the same. 
But both sons really believed they had to win dad's approval. They had to win it by doing things. I suppose the, the younger son eventually looked at and thought himself, well, you know, my elder brother, he's going to get the, the, the bulk of the estate. I might as well get my bit and go and clear off and do what I want to do. You know, so he, he can't compete with the, the elder brother, so he just leaves and then he comes back with nothing. But the wonderful thing is that when he came back with nothing to offer, you can imagine the father saying, finally, 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 my son, you're in a place to receive my grace. You're in a place today to receive something that you've never fully understood in the past. Coming back empty. And it's been a theme through the worship and grace. So many of our prayer times in the last few months about open hands and emptiness, coming with nothing to hide from him, nothing to hide from Father, but to come as we are. Maybe we have nothing, nothing to give, nothing to share, nothing but that's where God wants us to be because he says, when you're like that, when you have nothing, I can do something with you. I can speak through you. I can minister through you. I can do a work through you when you have nothing. When you feel like you're capable of doing it in your own strength, when you can do it without even thinking about it, when you're on autopilot and you just go about doing things, then, you know, go ahead and try it. But without me, you're nothing. Without me, you're just... A clanging gong, gong and a, a sounding cymbal. It reminds me of, um, of Paul's thorn in the flesh when I was looking at this coming empty, nothing to offer. And uh, I've been in that position for Father to say, now, now you, can, you can receive my grace because you come as you are. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord. This is the thorn that he had. This thing that uh, really str he struggled with, Paul did. What, prayed three times, asked God to take it away. And God wouldn't take it away. And he says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And verse 9, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me and the last verse verse 10 therefore I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches in needs in persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake for when I am weak then I am strong and this is the key this is the key here when I am weak then I am strong I was almost a verse I was confused about as a younger Christian I thought oh, you know how can you be weak and strong but when we're weak in ourselves we can be strong in God. God can do something with us when we come to him in our weakness, when we come with nothing left, with nothing left in the bank account, nothing left in, 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 our, in, our, in our heart situation, nothing left in, in our marriage situation, nothing left in our family situation, nothing left in all sorts of situations. This is the time that we come. We come empty and say, God, I cast myself on you because I cannot do this by myself. And that's where God works his miracles. But the older brother in the story wasn't yet in that position. He was still full of his own work, still full of himself. It's really interesting, the words that he comes out with. Things like, 
Look. Look, Dad. Look at all I've done. See, for so many years I've been serving you. I've obeyed you. I've done absolutely everything you've asked me to do. I believe that the elder brother believed that the love and favor of his father was totally dependent on him being obedient, of, of just doing his father, his father had asked him to do, and it was done out of a heart of just, this is what the eldest, this is what the eldest son does. It wasn't out of a heart of love. Father, I love to serve you. I love to, to be your son. I'm so grateful for all you've given to me, for the future I have in you and everything. That doesn't come out. Just self came out. The older brother thought when the young son left, the younger, his younger brother left, he thought, great, I'm the only one left. Farm's mine, bank account's mine, I've got everything. But see, money isn't everything. It's great to have, um, when you and I were talking about this morning, like, you know, I don't, I don't personally do the lottery, but, but, you know, that we can be all waiting for the big win. And with the big win, we're going to do, we're going to change the world. We're going to build churches. We're going to do all sorts of things. Would we? Would we really do that? It's no good waiting for the big win. The big win we have is Jesus Christ this morning. He's the big win. He's the win for our lives today. He's the one that can change us. You know, I wouldn't be happy with a hundred, a guy who won a hundred million in the last few days. Like, you know, wow. What do you do with a hundred million? I wouldn't know where to start. Some people say I'd have a good job, but I'd have a good go at it. But, but no, I, you know, I, money, the love of money just uh, changes our lives, you know. What were both sons looking for? They were looking for father's blessing. Looking for dad to, to bless them. And the point of Jesus' parable, I believe, is God's blessing is to be given freely to everyone whether you're in here this morning or for those outside who don't yet know him, everybody who will turn to, turn to Father, he will pour out a blessing. And he doesn't differentiate between us. His blessing is this, has the same power, the same strength, no matter where we are, no matter what we've done. You know, and as such, as we, can, we can think, well, well, is it fair, Lord? I, I followed you all my life. You know, and I'm thinking to myself as I've been preparing this, like, would I ever say stuff like the eldest son says? Oh, yes. And I think we're all capable of doing it. You know, we see people coming into, into church and they, they rise up through the ranks. And, you know, we've been in church 50 years. And, well, what's going on here? Like, you know, these people come in and you know, suddenly, you know, we can get, we can get angry and upset and, and obsessed with, 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 with our position. We want to hold on to control of where we're at. And all this stuff surfaces in, in us. And God says, no, I just... I treat you all the same. My love is the same. I don't differentiate whether you're, a, you're an international speaker who jets around the world in his private jet or you just, Joe Nobody, getting up just to give a testimony of how good God is to you. It doesn't make any difference. His blessing, his grace, his power is the same for you today. And he wants to fill your life with his power. I recognize the thoughts of the eldest son. I've thought things the same. 
And God's pulled me up and he said, no, that's not the way it works. This is the way it works. All, as I said, all of us are subject to doing this. We list the things we have to offer and say, God, I have all this to offer you. Bless me. And God says, I'm waiting for you to be empty. I'm waiting for you to have nothing. I'm waiting for you to just come to me just as you are. And then I'm going to fill you to overflowing. I'm going to fill you and I'm going to just move in your life. You know, when we, when we come and we, we say things like, you know, uh, I tithe, I, 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 I give offerings, I, I read my Bible every day, I pray every day, I'm a kind person, I love my kids, I love my family, I work hard, I do much in the church. You're really lucky to have me, Lord, in your kingdom. You're really lucky to have me. You know, and that's how we can be. This is our humanity coming out. And God says, I can work through your humanity. I can make a way through your humanity and I can break a way into your heart if you'll give it to me. Truly give it to me. If you come with nothing and say, Lord, I just put these down. Paul was saying there, like, you know, just these, he says in another portion of scripture, I count all this stuff as dross, as, as mess. What I count more than anything is my relationship with, with him, King of kings and Lord of lords. You know, there are only two religions in this world today. Two real religions. The first one says you have to do something to offer to God to be approved. And the other one says you have nothing to offer God to be approved. And I praise God I'm in the latter one. I come nothing to offer him except me. You know, reminds that that Christmas song in the bleak midwinter. We say this is a real weird song. But what can I give him, poor as I am? Give him my heart. I've got nothing else to sacrifice, nothing else to give to Father this morning. You know, he's, he's like the Father in the, in the picture that Jesus paints. He's standing looking for you to come to him this morning. God sent his son into this world. He came and gave his life as our saviour, as our redeemer. He gave up everything for you and he gave up everything for me. Will you receive today what he did for you? You have to be empty to do that. Will you allow God to empty your heart of all of self, all of me, all of what I am, what I have, what I've done? And say, Father, I just want to come to you today. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe today... Is the day that God is calling you. Holy Spirit is whispering in your heart saying, today's the time. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.